This morning we're in Mark chapter 4. And as we come to Mark chapter 4, the end of Mark chapter 4, I, I can't help but wonder, what's rocking your boat today? What is it in your life that's causing you to be unsettled? What is it that's, that's causing you to take on water and, and weighing you down? What storms are you facing in your life? Is it a, a, a relationship that's gone sour? Is it financial? Are you facing financial struggles? Is it something else? Is it health? Maybe it's some secret storm that nobody even knows that you're facing, that you're going through yourself. And as you face this storm, what, what emotions are there in your life that are, that are raging within you? Is it guilt, and shame, anger, jealousy? What is the storm that is in the middle of your life? I'm willing to bet that every single one of us here this morning has some storm that we're facing. And, and if you're anything like me, there's been a time in your life when you just feel like, I'm not going to make it. This is it. I'm going under, and I'm not going to make it. And to you this morning, I just want to say, you can make it. You can make it. And we're going to look this morning at the end of Mark chapter 4 and see exactly how it is that we make it through these difficult times in our life. How is it that we weather the storms that God sends our way that, that come up in our life? And before we dive into the text, I want to say that there's a, a question that the answer to this question is key to understanding this passage. Okay, so as we look at this first verse, verse 35 of chapter 4, I want you to be thinking about what question is raised that could possibly hold the key to this entire section. Because if you don't know the question, or you don't know the answer to the question, or you miss the answer to the question, then it's very likely that the meaning of this story is going to be lost. Let's look at Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. Let's stop there and think about the question. What is the question? What do you think it is? Think for a second. The question that holds the answer to understanding this passage is this. Whose idea was it to get into the boat? We know that they're about to face a terrible storm, but whose idea was it to get in the boat? Whose idea was it? Jesus. Yeah, it's Jesus' idea. It's his idea the whole time to get in the boat. He says, let us go to the other side. This is Jesus' idea. Verse 36. It says, so they left the crowd and took him along since he was already in the boat. And the other boats were with him. So we have, uh, it, at the beginning of verse 35, it says, on that day. So you have to go all the way back to verse 1 of chapter 4. And this is the same day. Jesus has been teaching in parables all day long. He's, uh, like many times before, he's out by the sea, and he's teaching, and people are beginning to press in. And so many people are pressing in. Such a large crowd is gathering around Jesus that he actually has to get into a fishing boat and go offshore just a little bit, face the shore, and continue teaching so the crowd doesn't crush him. And this is where he is. And it's like this wherever he goes. And wherever he goes, his disciples are trying to keep the crowd a little bit away so at least he can continue to teach. And they're ministering to people, and Jesus is healing people. 
And so you've got to imagine that with all this going on, with everything going on around them, that they're getting a little bit tired. They've been investing themselves. They've been giving this ministry everything that they've got. And I think we all know this to be true, is that when you're giving something all you've got, when you've given all you've got, what you need is rest. And Jesus recognizes this. Jesus himself often took time to rest. And so he says to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Let's get in the boat and go. And the disciples eagerly get in. They're thinking, oh, yes, Jesus, we need a vacation. We need a little disciple retreat right now. It's time. And so they get in the boat. They get in the boat. Now, something that I think we have to keep in mind is who are the disciples? Who are these disciples? Well, we know that a number of them were professional fishermen. They had all grown up in this area of Galilee, and the fishermen had probably lived on the water their entire lives. They had made their living on the water, and so they get in the boat. Now, if I were a fisherman, I would like to think that I would be able to read the wind and the waves and and the clouds and see that, hey, uh, Jesus, there's a storm coming, so maybe we go tomorrow. But it appears that at this time, everything's calm. There's no sign of a storm in sight. Everything's calm. And so they get in the boat, and they begin to head across when the storm comes up. Everything started out well, and then the storm comes up. Have you ever had something in your life that started out well but quickly goes downhill? Let's look at verse 37. It says, a fierce windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he, who is he? Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful name? But he was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Don't you care that we're going to die? Jesus is in the stern, asleep. And here's... What I love about verse 37 is it says that a fierce windstorm arose. And and this is what I want us to remember first and foremost is that in life, storms are going to come up. You are going to face storms. There is no doubt about that. And these storms are going to come unexpectedly and at inconvenient times. I mean, have you ever faced a storm when you thought, hey, this, God, this would be a good time to send some trouble my way. I think I can handle it right now. No, it always comes unexpectedly and at inconvenient times. As I said earlier, you had at least four professional fishermen who would have known red sky at night, sailor's delight, red sky in morning, sailor take warning, right? And they would have known not to go on the water. Everything's calm. Everything's starting out great. Yet they get in the boat and all of a sudden this big storm comes. Now, what you need to recognize about the Sea of Galilee is where it's positioned. It's surrounded by large hills on every side, and a part of those hills are some deep valleys where the wind just comes sweeping through. And on the east, you have the desert where there's a very hot wind. It's called the Sirocco wind that blows across the desert and blows across the sea. And then you've got wind coming from the Mediterranean that's blowing from west to east. And guess where they meet? Right on top of the Sea of Galilee. And having lived in Tornado Alley most of my life, we all know what happens when hot wind and cold wind and moisture mix. It's not good, right? And so you've got this sudden storm that just comes out of nowhere. 
and they're caught in the middle of it. They're caught off guard. Now, I was asking our elders, talking to our elders about this this week, and, you know, bouncing ideas off of them of where I'm going and trying to get their input. And I was like, man, I haven't used video clips in a while. I'd really love to use a video clip, but I just can't think of a good one. And one of them said, uh, duh, the perfect storm. And I was like, oh, yeah, perfect storm. It's, it's in the title. You know, how can you miss that one? But I thought about it this week, and I even found the video clip where they're, like, going up this, this 60-foot wave uh, that, that they would have faced. And then I thought about it, and I thought, you know, uh, when we lived in Massachusetts, my wife and I lived up there, we actually went to Gloucester and we got to see uh, where these men had lived and go some of the places. I used to be in a softball league up there. And um, so I knew a little bit about the story and I knew that the men who went out on the Adele that day, uh, they actually knew that a storm was coming. They just didn't know how bad it was going to be. So I was like, you know, they actually knew when the storm was coming and maybe there's a Maybe there's a TV show or a movie where they didn't know the storm was coming, where everything started out calm, and then it hit me back to my childhood, growing up in Houston, Texas in the summers when it's incredibly hot and you can't go outside from like 10 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock at night because you'll melt, literally, you'll, you'll just melt. Uh, and, and so I started thinking about it, I was like, I've got it. But I want to see if you can guess what show it is. We're going to play a little Name That Tune, so let's see if you can guess just from the first few bars of this theme song. What'd you say? Gilligan's Island, right? We all know the beginning of this. Let's We see, look, beautiful, sunny day. They're cruising out from the harbor, and we all know what happens, right? They're on the SS Minnow, they're on this tiny ship, and things are going great. They're just on a three-hour tour, right? It's not going to be very long. Just a three-hour tour, but then what do we see? The weather started getting rough, and the tiny ship was tossed. This is where the disciples are. They're on this tiny ship. Now, when most of us think about what kind of boat Jesus was on, we kind of, I don't know about you, but I always kind of pictured, you know, he's Jesus. He's got to be on a pretty decent-sized boat, you know, maybe two decks. Maybe he's, he's got a nice big cushion in the back, and he's laying down on the cushion, and there's, you know, a crew of, of people besides just the disciples that are working on this boat. But actually, there was, uh, there's a fishing boat that was dug up right near the Sea of Galilee. And we're going to take a look at this picture of this boat that was dug up from the Sea of Galilee. This was a fishing boat that's been dated to around the time of Jesus. And so you have an idea with these people standing next to it about how big that boat was. It's not very big. It's not very big. You thought the SS Minnow was a tiny ship that got tossed. This is even tinier, and you've got 13 men, maybe more, inside, that are just being tossed all around. And I can think of nothing more terrifying than being in the middle of the sea, in the blackness of night, in a boat that's taking on water and beginning to sink. And that's where they are. That's where they are. Imagine being one of those disciples. And they they come to Jesus. They're in the middle of this storm, and they're caught off guard. They're going up and down throughout the water, and they're trying to do everything they can. They, they're grabbing buckets, and they're bailing out. Some of them are probably just using their hands, trying to get the water out of the boat as fast as they can. And they realize it's not working, so they run to Jesus, and they ask him one question. Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we die, Jesus? Don't you care? Have there ever been times in your life 
when you're going through a storm and you ask God, God, don't you care? God, don't you care that my child is sick? God, don't you care that my marriage is falling apart? God, don't you care that my finances are a wreck? God, don't you care that I'm lonely? God, don't you care that my husband died? Don't you care? One of the worst storms my wife and I ever faced, uh, we're coming up on about four years, four years ago, and some of you know this story, I've shared it before, um, triplets uh, turned four on March 4th, and so that's kind of how I remember exactly when all this happened, um, but before the triplets were born, we actually had another pregnancy, and we had tried for two years to get pregnant. We'd been married for three, and was graduating seminary and thought, hey, this would be the perfect time to start a family. We're starting at a new church. Let's have a baby. And so we were doing our part um, to, to have a baby, but it wasn't working. We couldn't figure out why. And so for two years, we continued to try and try and try. And month after month, it was just disappointment and discouragement. But finally, the day came when we found out Amanda was pregnant. And the weeks went by, and everything was, was going fairly well. And then I remember on week 21, we went in for an ultrasound, and the doctor said, uh, I've got some bad news. And quickly, anxiety started to come over me. She said, uh, your baby is not growing, and in fact, it's lost weight. And anxiety almost immediately went from anxiety to fear. And then she said, um, I hate to tell you this, but there's nothing we can do. You're going to lose your baby. My fear became falling apart. From anxiety to fear to falling apart in a matter of minutes. For the next two weeks, Amanda and I went home and we spent um, some days simply in bed, holding each other, crying, weeping for the loss of our child. When we weren't in bed, we were on our knees, asking, begging, pleading with God to save this child. And I can remember the first day or so just thinking, God, don't you care? God, don't you care that we tried for two years and now we have a baby and you're going to take it from us? God, don't you care about the life of this child? God, don't you care about what this is going to do to my wife? Don't you care? But as we went through this, I, I began to see more and more that God did care. And I thought, as we prayed, the hardest thing that we've ever had to pray in our lives. While we prayed, on, on one hand we were praying, God, spare this child, heal this baby in a miraculous way that the doctors will never be able to explain. On the other hand, we had to pray, not our will, but your will be done. I don't know if you've ever been in a position like that, but it's not easy. It's not easy knowing what the potential outcome could be. But we found ourselves in the middle of this in just after asking, God, don't you care? I remember thinking, God does care. Think of all the times that he's shown kindness and compassion to me in the past. And why is it that when everything's going great, when everything's coming up roses, when everything's working in our favor, we never question God's compassion or God's kindness. Yet the moment a storm comes up in our life, we begin to question, Right? And here's what I began to realize is that God's compassion is not determined by our circumstance. God's compassion is not determined by our circumstance, neither 
is his kindness limited to our understanding? God's kindness is not limited to our understanding. We still don't fully understand why we lost Eliana. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. All I know is that God has an understanding and his kindness endures forever. God cares for you just as much in the calm, sunshiny harbor as he does when you're in the middle of the raging tempest. God cares. Let's continue on looking at verse 38. It says that he was asleep in the stern. So they woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care? He got up, verse 39, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Silence, be still. And the wind and the waves ceased and there was a great calm. I love this. I love that as soon as Jesus wakes up, he only says three words. And in the, in the original language, it's only two words. He just says, silence, be still, and it stops. It says that he rebuked the waves. And I, I love Jesus' kindness and compassion even in the middle of the storm. Because he rebukes the waves, but not the disciples. We're going to see in a minute that in a, in a, he does ask them a question and challenges them, but he doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't rebuke them the way that he rebukes the wind and the waves. And he says, silence, be still. Now something that struck, struck me this week as I prepared is, I thought about why, why was it that the disciples were so afraid? I mean, surely these fishermen who had grown up on this sea, who had made their living from the sea, had experienced storms like this before. So why are they so afraid? Why are they so afraid now? Surely they've been in a very similar storm. And I, I thought back to verse uh, 36. It says, So they left the crowd, and they took him along. Who is they? They is the disciples. So it's Jesus' idea to get in the boat in the first place. Yet it's the disciples who say, Okay, Jesus, we're the professional fishermen. We got this. You go lay down and take a nap. We can handle this. And everything was under their control. And then all of a sudden the storm comes up and they're afraid because everything is out of their control. You ever have that experience? You think, okay, God, I got this. I got the wheel. And then quickly things get out of your control and all of a sudden you're in panic mode. You can't handle it. The disciples were manly men. They knew their faith had turned to fear because they were in a situation they couldn't control. And Jesus looks at them, and he says this in verse 40. Then he said to them, Why are you so fearful? Do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith? When you're facing the storms of life, do you still have no faith? Often I think the answer to this is yes and no. Yes, I believe, Jesus. But no, I don't have faith. Help my unbelief, Lord. Help me. Yes, I believe, but I, I don't have faith to the fullest like I should. And I don't know that, that we ever will have faith to, to fully be prepared and fully understand all the storms that God has for us. And I think some of you are, are right now asking, well, how do we get through the storms of this life? How do we get through it? You said you were going to tell us how to get through it, and I have to be honest. I don't know. Have a good day. <laughs> I don't know. But here's what I do know. If you expect to survive the storms of life, 
you've got to get in the boat with Jesus. You've got to get in the boat with Jesus. If you're going to have any expectation of surviving the storms of this life, you have to get in the boat with Jesus and go wherever he goes. Even when you don't know where it's going, you've got to get in the boat. Amanda and I, shortly after the triplets were born, it was actually uh, right before the triplets were born, I can remember we were on our way to a doctor's appointment. She was going to have an ultrasound, and we were driving, and I said, hey, here's a crazy idea. Um, What if we left the church where we are, where we have job stability and a good salary, and what if we leave here and we sell our house and half of our stuff, we leave all of our friends and we move to a city where we don't know anybody and we take a job that we don't know is going to be uh, even get off the ground and has no guarantee of ever being successful and in fact we're going to have to take a giant pay cut. Like what do you think about that? Remember she's like 30, 30 weeks pregnant with triplets. Um, Two weeks later, she would give birth, right? Uh, So she's like, well, let's pray about that. Uh, Let me think about that. But as we prayed about it, we began to realize that this is what God was calling us to do. He was calling us to step out in an act of faith to get in the boat. We had no idea where the boat was actually going. We knew it, it led to Austin, but other than that, we had no idea. We got in the boat, and along the way, other people got in the boat with us. Uh, I can remember it was October of 2012. I first met Todd Hollybeck, and I said, hey, uh, I'm moving to Georgetown, and uh, uh, nice to meet you. Would you like to come plant a church with us? And, uh, and then we met more and more families along the way, very similar stories. Hi, my name's Charlie. Would you like to help us plant the gospel and watch a church spring up around it? And that's what we did. That's what we did. River Rock Bible Church was founded on an act of faith, not just by a man and myself, but on a number of families. And it continues to grow because of acts of faith of the people around who are planning the gospel in the lives of the people around them. You've got to get in the boat. You've got to get in the boat and go with Jesus wherever he's going. Now, I've got to be honest. There are ups and there are downs in this ride that we're on. There are days that are great encouragement, and there are days when you just want to stay in bed. But God is with us in the boat. And that's exactly what the disciples found out. There are ups and downs. And we know that that this is just an act of obedience. And sometimes we we can just expect that the storms are going to come. And that's a good thing. Because if there's no storm, then there's no danger. If there's no danger, there's no fear. If there's no fear, there's no testing. If there's no testing, there's no learning. If there's no learning, there's no growing. If there's no growing, there's no faith. The storms have to come in order to produce the faith in us, to get us to where we need to be. But the very first step is just getting in the boat with Jesus. And I love the fact that Jesus probably knew that this storm was coming. I think he knew that this storm was coming, and yet he tells him to get in the boat anyways, and he doesn't warn him. He doesn't say, hey guys, I'm going to go take a nap, and when we get halfway across, uh, we're going to have a major storm. Just wake me up when we get there, and I'll take care of it. He doesn't give them any warning at all. They just get in the boat. And if he had warned them, it would have ruined the lesson that they needed to learn. Look at verse 41. It says, They were terrified and asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. So what was the lesson that they needed to learn? They needed to learn that going through the storm allows us to see God's power. It was 
in seeing this storm calm that they understood or began to understand that Jesus is God and just how powerful Jesus is. Now, again, this doesn't come across in the, original, uh, in the English, but if you were to see this in the original language, when he says, silence, be still, peace, be still, it literally translates to be muzzled and stay muzzled. Now, this is a word that was used often in casting out demons. And I don't know why Jesus chose to use that word. I don't know if maybe Jesus is recognizing that this storm is influenced by demonic power. Or if he's trying to jog the memory of the disciples of, hey, remember all those demons I cast out. Remember all those people that I healed. I've already demonstrated my power over the physical. I've demonstrated my power over the demonic. Why would you be afraid? Why would you be afraid? Trust in my power. All of this is pointing to the fact that Jesus is God. He can control and command the wind and the waves because he created them. He created them, and they're beginning to see this. They're beginning to understand God's power. I mean, we all have moments when we've forgotten. When, when we feel forgotten, we feel alone. We feel like God is, has just left us there. And to be honest, there's no avoiding those moments. They're going to come. There's no way around it. But we have to continue to remind ourselves, why is it that we're going through this? And in those moments, we, we can believe one of two things. We can either believe that God sent the storm and he has a plan for us going through it, which is to draw us closer to himself, to help us recognize his power and his glory and his greatness. Or we can believe that God has abandoned us. If you know anything about God and his character and his word, then you know that God has not abandoned us. He promises, never will I leave you or forsake you. He has not abandoned us. And as I think about it, it's only in the times of my life that as I begin to face another storm, that I can look back on all the other storms and remember what God has done. Remember how he brought me through. Remember how he calmed the previous storms. I wonder, and it's not recorded, but I wonder if the disciples were ever in a boat with Jesus again and another storm came up. I wonder what their response was. Because when they go to Jesus and say, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we die? Uh, my picture in my mind is Peter with a bucket saying, don't you care if we die? Like, help us bail out this water, Jesus. I think they had no expectation that Jesus was just going to stand up and say, silence, be still. And everything would stop. I don't think that was their expectation at all. They're handing him a bucket like, hey, come on, help us get this water out. Yet from that moment on, I can only imagine that any time it began to rain or began to storm and they were out in a boat, that they probably just said, hey, Jesus, will you take care of this? We know you got this. We're not in control. We're not in control. You've got this. They knew they were in the boat with Jesus. If you're going to survive the storms, you've got to be in the boat with Jesus. When you go through the storms, recognize God's power and think back on the ways that he has brought you through before. I can remember um, when we had a memorial service for Eliana. She was, um, it was a stillbirth at 24 weeks. And uh, our church came around us. Our friends and our family were all there. And I remember planning that service and working with our worship pastor to pick some songs. And we sang some great ones um, that had meant a lot to Amanda and I during that time. We sang, uh, It is well with my soul when peace like a river. Um, attendeth my soul. 
when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot that has taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And as I think about those words, in the words to another song that we sang, you are God alone from before time began. You are on your throne in the good times and bad. You are God alone. And then one that we're about to sing in just, just a few moments. You never let go. Through the calm and through the storm, you never let go. God will never leave us or abandon us. We don't have to ask, God, don't you care? When you're in the boat with Jesus, you don't have to ask, God, don't you care? Because the answer is yes. The answer is that I am here with you. I wonder, what storm are you in right now? I know that almost every single one of us is surely in a storm, and I hope you can recognize that you're not there by accident, that God has sent the storm, that he has a plan for you going through that storm. That storm is not to harm you, but to help you grow and to be more like him. Perhaps you feel alone. Perhaps you feel like you've lost everything, but you have not lost God, and he has not lost you. As we close this morning, I just... I, I want us to answer this question. Have you still no faith? Have you still no faith? Yes, Lord, I have faith. Help my unbelief. Help me to grow. Help me to know what it is that you want me to do. What a Christ that we serve who can calm the wind and the waves, not just on the seas, but in our lives. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that your son Jesus Christ is, is God that he is powerful, that you never leave us alone, and that if we will get in the boat with Jesus, that whenever we face the storms, we don't have to ask, don't you care? Because we know the answer is yes. And if we're in that boat, Lord, we are with the one who can calm the wind and the waves and simply say, silence, be still, peace, be still. Lord, I pray for those here this morning who are facing a storm. May you work in their lives this morning, help their unbelief, strengthen their faith, help them to grow. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.